Delta Tone, please record your message. Hi, honey. It's your mom. I haven't heard from you. I'm just calling to see if you're still alive. I called your room, but you didn't pick up. I called the front desk, so maybe I should call all the dorms? I'm just calling to let you know I love you. Just take care of yourself, and please call me. Bye. And eat. Don't forget to eat. Hey, everybody, this is Undeclared. I'm your host, Pablo Rodriguez. You know, when you're in an interview, you always get that annoying question. Before you go, one last question. Please tell us some of your weaknesses. Now, as much as we might want to turn to them and say, first of all, that's not even a question. We don't do that. We all give our go-to answer of, well, I'm kind of a perfectionist. It's a great answer. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, I'm glad you asked. I have a massive drug problem. Whew, glad that's off my chest. No. Prospective employers want to find some way to distinguish one applicant from another. And asking impossible questions or difficult questions like that is one way to see who can think creatively. Now, while some people think that being a perfectionist is a good thing, that's not always the case. The problem is, when the new academic year starts, some faculty, staff, and students come in with overzealous goals of doing everything perfect. Everything must be right. You must be correct. You have to win. You have to get an A. Things are either 100% or they're not and perfectionists are often their own worst enemy. The focus should be on doing your best because being a perfectionist can lead to possible depression, lack of motivation, as well as fearing success because you don't want to make a mistake or else you're not perfect. Look at someone that you consider a role model. Picture them in your mind. As perfect as you think they are, they didn't start out that way. I'm a horrible role model for students uh, in many ways uh, until a certain moment. Then I think I became a pretty good role model. All through school, I was a bad example in that I was very interested in my friends. I was interested in having fun. I had really close-knit circles of friends all the time, you know, growing up. So that was all social to me, and sports and friends and running around, riding the bikes, all that stuff. Um, so when I got to high school, I was not involved in anything whatsoever at all. Not even like a team? Nothing. Really? I, I think I, I tried, I played soccer sort of part of my first year just to try it out and but I, I would rather just play with my friends uh, so my high school experience was one of just doing the barest minimum somehow I got a job you know uh, I, I knew I wasn't 16 yet because my whole goal was I was going to earn enough money save enough money so that when I got my license driver's license when I turned 16 I'd be able to buy a car all right so uh, and I was going to buy a new car but it was going to be the cheapest car you could get that was new. All right, that was, what, that was my goal. The gentleman speaking is none other than Jeff Carlson, graduate of Niles West High School and the current dean of the Rosary College of Arts and Sciences. Jeff's been the dean for the past 11 years. He's also a professor of theology. He works with faculty, staff, and students to enhance the quality of their undergraduate majors as well as universities, undergraduate core curriculum, honors program, academic advising. All right, you guys get it. He's, he's a great role model is what I'm trying to say. But as you can hear, he didn't exactly start out that way, especially not when he applied to his first college, UIC. I bombed out the first time. <laughs> okay. It was time to, to go to college, and you know my parents hadn't completed college, and my mother never went to college. Um, so I didn't have a lot of role models on that, 
I uh, decided to go to UIC. And the only reason I went was because my good best friend, Jim Beck, with whom I went to Florida, and he bought a car too. Uh, he was going to go to UIC. So I said, what the heck, I'll go to UIC. So I went to college. Um, <clears throat> that was the only one I applied to. I just went because he was going. Problem was, I was working all these hours in the restaurant, too many hours. I was a commuter, and I would just stay up all night. I would work too many hours. Here's the problem. I would, <clears throat> I would drive to class at UIC, arrive too late for class because I was up too late, park in the parking lot, and just say, all right, you know what? All right, I missed my first class. I'm just going to take a little nap and go to the second class, okay? So many times then, later in the day, my window would be pounded on by Mr. James Beck, my good friend, who was going to you. I say, hey, idiot, you, you slept through the day, you know, you didn't go to class. I was sitting in my car sleeping. Uh, and, and I don't mean to say I, I skipped out of most classes, but it happened enough to make me think, am I a serious student? I mean, what am I doing here? That's a good question. What was he doing there? Fortunately for Jeff, he answered this question honestly, knowing that he wasn't doing much there. He didn't like the experience he was having at UIC, and he left. Later, Jeff took a second crack at college and attended DePaul. But this time, he promised himself he'd work hard, focus on his goals, and be successful. He made a commitment to doing his best. And that's something that he learned working at that diner that he mentioned before, JoJo's. I worked for many years at the one on Dempster and Austin, which is now a Giordano's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one where I started and worked many, many years. What, but, what, uh, what shift did you work? Or was it? Uh, lots, uh, all kinds. Oh, varied? It wasn't varied. like one consistent? No, it was varied. I mean, it was, uh, sometimes it was the graveyard you know, shift oh, really? uh, overnight. And it was all, kind of, all kinds of uh, shifts there. But it was, it was a really a positive experience. What did you do, what did you do there? I started as a busboy, okay. and uh, but then I, over the years I did waiting, waiting on tables. And I was a cook. I loved cooking. Uh, cooking was a constant mass of concurrent duties flying at you all the time. You're oh. always having to fly around. Your hands are flying. Your and and there can be absolutely no wasted steps, no wasted movement. Everything you do has to be purposeful instantly successful and move on and you have to work clean you never make a mess you can't just stand there and say what how do you make it and so there some of the greatest success and satisfaction i've ever felt in my whole life has been uh standing behind you know the the line in the kitchen with you know 20 orders come up and Wait. and and i'm down there with my two or three you know buddies and we get it out and it's perfect and it's clean and it's right and it's you know and we just look and success you know and there was a great feeling of you would you would flick these orders back at the waitresses, yeah. you know, you were just, <laughs> and, you, and, and you were done. Um, so great feeling of uh, success, like I said, uh, no wasted spaces, a sense of excellence in work. And there were just people you would admire watching in the restaurants who were good at that kind of work. Yeah. They, they could just focus and be intense, and it's a thousand percent right now on this thing. And then they move on to the next thing. And they don't have to sit there and wonder what they're doing. They just know. Excellence in work. Jeff was definitely challenged as a line cook, but he met that challenge and learned a ton along the way. But what's most important is that the entire time he was sweating his butt off behind that grill, he was learning what it meant to be a part of a team, time management, and took pride in his work, and all while he was just doing his best. When we come back, can you hear him? Oh, can you, can you hear the... Oh, those annoying pen clickers, man, on the show when we come back.
All right, now I just Googled pet peeves list, and here are some top ones. Mouth noises, chewing with your mouth open, poor driving etiquette, putting others down, cell phone drivers, movie talkers, not washing your hands after the restroom, and I'm pretty sure that's on everyone's pet peeve list and probably should be against the law. The naming of celebrity couples, when people copy you in every way, <laughs> bossy leaders, people who interrupt you. I want you to stop. When you're on a college campus, you can't always voice your pet peeves. If you're a student and your pet peeve is, let's say, a classmate who clicks their pen so frequently, it sounds like they're tap dancing. You don't walk up and slap the pen out of their hands. If you're a faculty or staff member and your pet peeve is, is someone asking a question that you literally just answered, you don't ask them to step into a time machine and travel back nine seconds to hear the answer. You want to handle things like an adult. So our next segment allows college pet peeves to not only be heard, but also give some feedback. We spoke with Sister Marcy Hermsdorf. She's an assistant professor of English, a graduate of Providence High School, now Providence St. Mel, and a massive, diehard, over-the-top CSI fan. I even think she does a David Caruso impersonation. He used to be an English teacher. Uh-huh. I before E, uh. except after C. <laughs> Now, this segment is about pet peeves, but that's not a good name. So we'll change the name of the segment every show with a different pet peeve. That being said, going along with our previous example of annoying pen clicking, without any further ado, a little drum roll, please. Thank you. Folks, grab a beverage, sit back, and take a listen to this week's segment called Annoying Pen I'll give you two, pet, two of my pet peeves. One okay. is... A student is absent from class, and the next time they see you, their question is, did you do anything in class while I was gone? Oh and I want to say to them, no, for 50 minutes we sat and looked at each other and mourned your absence. And I think most professors don't like that question. Yeah. The second one that's a little annoying for me who does a lot of grading of papers yeah. is um, if I give extensions, and for good reasons, I do get extensions on papers, but people have sort of pushed the envelope there till the last possible minute. They hand in a paper, and less than 24 hours later, they say, did you grade my paper yet? <laughs> uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't I just give you an extra week? Give me a break here. Uh, winning. I have a life besides this paper you just handed in. You know, I've got 25 other students who are doing 25 other things. And this has gone to the bottom of my pile because you, right. you know, got the extension. Right, so right. it goes to the bottom of the pile. I expect people to be on time for class because I often give important information just at the beginning of class, um, sort of an overview of the week or something that's come up or whatever. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really big on being there. I'd appreciate it if the students would do the reading that's assigned. That's <laughs> always helpful, particularly if I'm going to have a discussion. Sure. Um, it's really helpful. And in a literature class, it's really helpful if you do the reading. You know, it's nice when students look at me as if they're engaged and don't yawn <laughs> in my face. <laughs> um, or put their heads down on the desk, you know, and go to sleep. Be sure you read a professor's syllabus carefully because it gives you lots of information, not only about what's going to happen day to day, but about the expectations that the professor has of you. Different professors expect different things. And so 
in some classes, tardiness is not going to be acceptable. In other cases, it is. There's no reason to get annoyed about that. It's just every professor has a list of expectations or a list of standards. And part of growing up is learning to be flexible. And so part of being flexible is knowing what you have to do in this class to stay on the teacher's good side and what you have to do in this class. And sometimes it's not the same, and the professors have the freedom to create the kind of class experience that works best for them. And so there needs to be some adaptability there. Sometimes on syllabi, like on my syllabus, because I'm an English teacher, I have a plagiarism policy. On, oh. my, uh, on my syllabus, yeah. and if it's there, that means I expect you've read it, and if you do plagiarize, it's going to be worse for you because you should have you yeah. known that because right. I put it there. Right. And I also pretty much lay out my expectations about, for example, you know, do you, are you on time for class? What happens if you are consistently tardy? It's going to affect your grade. All of that is on the syllabus, and I think for most professors... They lay down their expectations on those syllabi. Um, the English department also has a set of protocols about, for example, how many times you can revise a paper, and and those are those are department wide, and um, yeah. that's attached to our syllabi wow. in the English department. So they need to read that. Too. Did you ever have? Did you ever catch anybody with uh, plagiarizing? Oh, of course. It's him. Of course, I, I catch people plagiarizing every semester. Mm. But I will say this. In most cases, it's not intentional. Mm. But um, yeah, I wow. had, because people don't understand the difference between paraphrasing and um, <laughs> quoting. They don't know how to paraphrase. That's basically it. And so they think that because they've changed two little words here, ooh, now this is paraphrased. That's not true. You have to learn how to paraphrase. But, yeah, I've had people who have lifted stuff right off the Internet and oh, have yeah. pasted it onto a paper. I've done that. Yeah. Um, we have a tool, though, called Turnitin, where we can find plagiarism. And okay. you can Google stuff, too. Sure. You can Google phrases that sound strange, and you find out where they came from. Wow. So, wow. so if, yeah. if, if students think that we're not savvy to these things, if they've got, if they've got ways of cutting and pasting, we have ways of finding it out through the same <laughs> technology. Manny completed his bachelor's degree in business administration in three years, a year faster than the typical four-year degree. Usually, I hear students wanting to do this for either financial reasons or sometimes because they're getting pressure from home. But in Manny's case, it was different. It goes back to my parents. Uh, they were diagnosed with diabetes when I started college. And one night I was with my dad, and you know he, he kind of like made a cry. He's like, oh, are you okay, Dad? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know, my heart just sometimes like just does these funny things. I'm like, oh, you should need to get you need to get that checked out. I didn't I didn't think about it much. Later on, he told me he's like, yeah, he's like, I've been getting these pains. He's like, I don't know if I'll be around any any oh, longer. No. And that to me was like a wake up call in a way. Kind of meant that you know my mom she works, but she's not gonna make enough to carry out the family. Sure. And you know, in the in the event that my dad would you know pass away. I had to prepare myself. I had to be in a, in a place where if that were to happen, yeah. I can step up to the plate. Yeah. But my brother finished his college, mm-hmm. so he can help me out with my sister and, and at home. Now, there's peer pressure and pressure from home, but Manny's pressure was internal. He felt responsible for his family. 
He was a college student who should be focused on taking a full course load and not becoming head of the household. But he was ready to do whatever he could do in case anything happened to his parents. So began his path towards an accelerated graduation date. Now, before I go any further, I want you to have some perspective on how much time is actually in a week and how much time college students should be studying outside of the classroom. A week has seven days, which totals up to be 168 hours. If you sleep eight hours every night, that equals out to 56 hours a week. But come on, let's be honest. Most college students don't commit to eight hours. Let's still be generous, though, and say, I don't know, six hours every night. That's 42 hours a week and leaves you with 126 hours for that week. A regular 15 credit hour course load would mean that you're studying 45 hours a week outside of the class, plus the 15 that you're in the class, that leaves you with 66 hours for that week. Keeping it at a minimum, let's also say every day you take a half hour for all your meals, do a half hour of cardio, and only go out once a week for a few hours with some friends. Not likely, but go with it. Oh yeah, and you work part-time for 10 hours a week. That would leave you with 39 hours. Sound like a lot? Well, we haven't even talked about commuting, hobbies, or just family obligations and personal time. But even after doing those things, you still will have some hours left. All this based on a 15 credit hour course load, short meals, short workouts, and one part-time job. Now at one point, just to give you some perspective on Manny's situation, he took a combined 28 credit hours at two different colleges, held down three different part-time jobs, and he still had a GPA above a 3.0. That semester, if we go by that equation, Manny was studying 84 hours outside of the classroom, plus the 28 he was in it. That would leave him with only 56 hours a week, and he hasn't even slept a wink yet. Now, how hard does that 12 credit hour course load sound right about now? So what about pros and cons? I think you get done early. I'm doing my master's right now. Mm -hmm. So that kind of like allows me to finish earlier. Since I'm going to like my master's in business administration, uh, you know, I might be making more than I would be making just with a bachelor's. Gotcha. So in terms of like that, it kind of like, it makes, it lets you save up more money for your 401k, for your right. whatever you want to do. One thing that I regret and it's that I didn't get to do an internship. I wanted oh. to do an internship, but because my financial situation at home and, you know, just trying to get done early. Right, didn't allow for it. Yeah, my financial resources were being taken up by those like community colleges. When I graduated, I was 20, mm -hmm. so I couldn't go out and party with people I graduated with because they all went to bars or they went to like 21 and over uh, restaurants or, you know, right. casinos. I couldn't go with them. Over 21s tonight. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm 21. Every old 21. Other than that, it's kind of like, you know, you're always, you're always working. There's no summers. It's very tough when, you know, you look at your social life and you realize that you're only texting like three or four people. You're not, that's it. You're not like. Because you're limited. Your community is limited to the people that you really need to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you rarely make friends. If, I mean, the only time you get to talk to people is in class. But even then, you're limited because you're taking notes. I graduated in high school with six guys, with five guys. Yeah. Um, and those guys are still my guys. They would always do things like go to Wisconsin, you know, go down to Yovai with the other two guys and. But I never, and yeah. I, I never got to do that. Yeah, because you're too busy getting stuff squared away. Yeah, and and I feel like I lost some friends too. Your social life is really impacted by trying to finish early because, or and working too, because your time is limited as to what what you can do, um, and it takes a toll on you too. Like I gained a lot of weight. Mm. I was at two two twenty, and now I'm like at two forty. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like twenty pounds there, 
when I started, I was 200. Like, so it's kind of like, you know, it does take a toll. There's very, I mean, I couldn't work out at all. Yeah. No time. No time at all. Like, there's there's really no time. uh, And, like, if I wanted to go on it, like, there's some people that went on a trip to Florida. I couldn't go to that trip because I had Saturday. I mean, like, there were, on the Saturdays, I would work on my online courses or, like, go to class. And then Sunday would be, like, do homework that I didn't get to do during the week, catch up in the readings, and watch The Simpsons or something. (laughs) And I had to do something to get my mind off class. Manny had confidence in himself in his ability to focus on a very difficult goal and accomplish it by doing his best. He was very proud of his work and went back to his old high school to show them what he was able to do. Initially, I had gone there just to, like, talk to them, visit them. I didn't really, you know, graduation was not in my in my plan, in my future, you know, to, like, go there and say, hey, I want to speak at your graduation. It was like, hey, I want to show you, you know, that your efforts were paid off. Yeah. So you're uh, like a product from... From way back, or not that far back, but from back, from yeah. back in the day, and you are now completed at an accelerated rate. Yeah, and, and your GPA was when you left. Yeah, it was like a three point three. Three point three. So it was kind of low, but still, I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, in comparison to what you were taking on, though, it was pretty yeah. good. How did the speech go? Yeah, uh, a lot of kids were like, well, a lot of kids knew my sister because my sister had just recently graduated. And they were talking to her about like that they didn't know that about her, her brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they said that it was really. Thoughtful. It was very. It was like fifteen minutes. It was. I talked a lot, mm. but I talked about like, you know, the kids that I grew up with that ended up turning to gangs are the same people still standing on those corners. Me, on the other hand, I'm graduating. I'm working. I'm traveling. You know, the main message was you have to do what you need to do. And get that done. You know, when you, when you commit to something like graduating early, and you start telling your friends that you're going to graduate early. And you don't do it, yeah. it's an embarrassment. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a sign of weakness. But aside from that, don't worry about what your friends are going to say. It's more commit to it. If you're really going to think about it, commit to it. And it's kind of like a first step to like becoming an adult. Like you committed to something and you have to come, you have to get it. Oh, well, this is my plan B. No, no, no. This is your plan. Your plan is to get this done. And if you have to come up with a plan B at the last minute, come up with a plan B. But don't don't be thinking about that you might not get it done. Because as soon as you start thinking that you might not get it done, it's when you start like, hey, like you know, this morning I had a hard time waking up. Because I'm like, oh, you know, I don't, I set my alarm for six. But I, I can wake up at seven, still shower, and still have time to come in. and come in at work in time. But because I, I said, oh, I can come in at, se- at seven, I started saying, oh, well, I'm not going to wake up at six. I'm going to wake up at 6.30. Went off. I'm going to wake up. Oh, it's 6.50. I ended up waking up, up again at 7.30. So mm-hmm. I was late. Um, so it's kind of like the same thing. If you're going to plan on graduating early, stick to that plan. Have like a plan B, but let it be like your last resort. Like somewhere you don't want to be so it can push you to graduate early. Manny is currently attending Dominican University and working towards his MBA in the Brennan School of Business. He works at the Apple Store as well as part-time at Dominican University's IT department. He's gotten a lot done in the four years he's been at DU, and we hope only more good things come his way. This house is filled with memories, some so lovely and some so sad. The cracks in the walls and the lines in my face as I've read the late. 
Special thanks today to Dean Jeff Carlson, Sister Marcy Hermsdorf, Manny Izaguita for being on the show, the lovely and talented Yolanda Rodriguez for her voicemail at the beginning of the show, the Rosary College of Arts and Sciences for their support. Our interviews today were made possible by the audio production assistance of Daniel Martin. Music today was Hammer Time by Squarehead, Yep by Jazar, Scraping Blue Terracotta, Waterloo Cannibals by Expressway, Ground Canyon by The Good Lords, and These Days I Wake So Early by Goodbye Kumiko. You can get all our information on our Tumblr page, undeclaredshow.tumblr.com. You can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash undeclaredshow, on Instagram at undeclaredshow. You can email us at undeclaredshow at gmail.com. If you like the show, tell your friends, and if you didn't, tell your enemies. I'm Pablo Rodriguez, and we'll be back with another episode. But until then, keep making decisions, keep moving forward, and keep in mind, this is just some info on Undeclared. Continental